High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, fans of B-movies, fans of horror movies, fans of original movies, fans of drive-in movies. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where we meet some friends of back in our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening. But first, school's still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment and i would like to see the results happy halloween everyone what a joyous day i love how the world celebrates this holiday now i hope you went out trick-or-treating i hope you had a good time love this holiday and i love the movies we get to talk here in high school slumber party it's about tradition we've had shawnee mead on i think almost every halloween if not every halloween season in the show's existence so happy to have her on Again, we're talking the blob, but not the blob we talked about last year. We're talking the original blob, 1958. So stay tuned for our conversation. It's a really, really fun one. Steve McQueen. Before that, remember to do your homework and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. While you're there, give us a positive rating or a five-star review. Also, tell a friend about High School Slumber Party. And catch up on all our old episodes at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. We're still seniors. We're in our super senior year. We're trying to tackle all the high school movies that have ever existed. I think we have a shot to do it, but we need your help by supporting the show, telling a friend, following us on social media, High School Slumber Party, wherever you get your social media. No matter who owns social media, we'll be there in some capacity. So check us out there. I also have my own personal social media. Whoa, 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 the bell doesn't dismiss you. I dismiss you. I'm trying to sell myself here, I'm trying to make more of myself, and I can't even tell you my Twitter handle. It's at OhMyRodriguez. Follow me there. Hit me up. Let's chat. I'm a talkative fellow. I want to know what you think about the movies that we cover. And speaking of movies we covered, how about Mike Manzi, the superintendent? He's the one who granted us status on the fall calendar along with Joey Lewandowski. He's kind of guiding us. He's almost like a guidance counselor. Maybe I should have called him that. But <laughs> anyway, he was on our last episode before this one. Bring it on. Seven or eight? I can't even remember now. But bring it on, cheer or die, a horror cheerleading film. Check that out as well. Listen to that episode. Let me know what you think. All right. Let's get to our Halloween special, The Blob, 1958. That's an old one. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother this is Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's leave you with, of course, this awesome theme song to The Blob 
by Burt Bacharach. Oh, sorry. It's by, who is it again? Oh, I'm sorry. They're known as the Five Blobs. Class dismissed. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. I drew the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. I drew the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch. Be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob. It creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. Shani, welcome back to your annual Halloween trip here on High School Slumber Party. We're, we're doing something sort of similar to last year, but a little bit different. Uh, but why don't you introduce yourself and we'll get right into this one. All right. Uh, great. Yeah, well, I'm Shawnee Mead. I'm back again. I'm very happy to be here once again for a Halloween episode, my favorite holiday of the year. And today we're going to ask the very, very important question. Did teenagers exist in 1958? Because if this is the documentation of it, I'm not so sure. Because the uh, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we are talking the Blob, but not the 1988 version of the Blob that we talked last year. We're talking the 1958 version, and I had never seen this one before. Had you seen this one before? Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times, but I'm not quite as fond of it because it's not my version of the Blob. But um, we'll get. We can get into that as well, why it's not my version. but <laughs> I have to look up. This is one of the oldest movies we've done, if not the oldest movie we've done on here. So Record. Nice. Yeah, this is interesting. And I don't know. I'm not so... Not that I'm not so into the older films. I haven't really touched a lot of these older teen films. And for some reasons that we'll talk about today and... One of them being like how realistic the teenagers are or seem mm. to be, and uh, not very in the blob. Um, <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> I mean, Steve McQueen is probably one of the oldest looking teenagers in a film that I've ever seen. Not as old looking as that one guy in Greece. We all know which guy <laughs> I'm talking about, the one that looks like he's about 40, and really he should just leave high school by now because clearly he's not going to pass, and he's way too old to be hanging out. With all the kids. <laughs> yes, Grease is definitely up there for this. But this movie, this movie's close. Steve McQueen is the star, his first starring role. But he's 28 years old, and he doesn't even pass for 28. Like, if, if that guy yeah, walked in my apartment... Four, he could be about 40 as well, I think, unfortunately. Absolutely. If he walked into my apartment right now, wouldn't it be like, oh, who's what's this younger kid doing here? No, I'd be like... Did I do something wrong? Why is this, this is why is older this, man? Yeah, what's this older man doing? Maybe because like <laughs> Steve McQueen's famous and we know him for his like later films or whatever. Maybe that's why. But I don't know. He's kind of got like a sort of like furrows in his you know face. Yeah. Like his face looks weathered. I mean, I don't feel like Steve McQueen ever looked like a kid. I, I feel like he just <laughs> looked like Steve McQueen forever. Like he probably didn't ever look like a boy. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, he looks. I mean, Jane looks older than teenager as well like so it doesn't seem weird their dynamic when they're together it doesn't seem like he's really old and she's not but I think it's just pretty much every teen in the entire film they're not believable as a teen (laughs) at all (laughs) no it's like in high school we used to have school plays right and they would do Oklahoma or I don't know 
you know, Hello Dolly, things like that, right? Yeah. And there were teens playing adults in the play, and you were just like, okay, I'm at a high school play, I understand it. This is like yeah. the opposite. <laughs> yeah, def- well, I think even with shows today, I mean, there's still older people playing teenagers, but often they go a bit more for closer to being a teen. But even shows like Stranger Things, like speaking of Steve's, like Steve in that and Robin played by Joe Keery and Maya Hawke. Like, I know in real life that they're pretty much the same age as me and they look the same age as me, but I actually, when watching Stranger Things, I buy that they could be a teen. They could be, they're that sort of look that they could be really any age, but I, I'm i happy to go with it. But this one, you just, the suspension of disbelief is a little bit difficult. <laughs> well, the fashion doesn't help, right? Because they're dressed yeah. like grandma and grandpa here because that's just the time, right? So, like, that, that doesn't help us. the happening outfits of the day, Brian. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, the, the Blob, if you haven't seen it, is definitely one of those, like, drive-through movies that yeah. were super popular at the time. Uh, let me read the back of the DVD that I found in case you haven't seen it, if you're not too familiar. One of the most memorable of the giant monster films of the 1950s, this sci-fi classic concerns a shapeless, flesh-dissolving mass that emerges from a fallen meteor, 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 and grows, let me say that again, emerges from a fallen meteor and grows larger with each victim it absorbs. At first scoffed at by the police, teenage hero Steve Andrews, played by Stephen McQueen in his first lead role, and his girlfriend, Jane Martin, uh, enlists their drag racing buddies to alert the town to the danger before being trapped in a diner that is completely enveloped by the blob in the film's spectacular climax. Way to say everything that happens in the film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to watch it, I've just read everything. <laughs> Featuring the hit theme song by Burt Bacharach and Hal David, which is not true, Beware of the Blob and special effects that are still impressive today. The Blob rocketed McQueen to fame and was remade in 1988. So you could tell this is like a later DVD or VHS that I'm reading. Um, We'll get into all the production and everything like that, but I didn't want to forget what was mentioned here. The theme song, which is, it was so jarring when I put on the movie. I'm like, wait, what? Is that the tone of this film? Is it going to be like a fun, like late 50s, early 60s hangout session? But it wasn't, but the song is good. And it is, it's written by Burt Bacharach. It's technically mm. was not written by Hal David. Yeah, it was Hal David's brother, I think. I think Something like that, right? But I, I believe think it people was... know his brother, so they he just gets shoved. For, Hal David gets all the credit because no one knew about his brother. So what I gather, it's sort of like that Lennon-McCartney thing where like, Hal David and Burt Bacharach sort of like shared that kind of stuff at times so mm-hmm. it's okay. it just like associated with him but no but this song actually was a hit the back of the DVD did not lie it was like played on the mm-hmm. radio and people actually liked it and honestly it's a good song <laughs> the five blobs that's yes. what they called the group that did the song just really driving home the blobness of it all the five blobs the but yeah, five blobs it has a proud place on my Halloween month playlist because it's just such like a yeah, it doesn't really match the tone of the film, but like it's a really fun way to start. Like you just get straight into a bop. Yeah, and it's it's tied in with this cute little animation, you know, which is very common at the time. But I love a lost art sort of. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's got like a really funky, you know, fifties design 
kind of aesthetic and I like I like that I like the beginning that it's all bright and colorful and red and it really sort of lets you know that you're in for a lot of red blob action and people forget too like the importance of animation in that day like a lot of movies Mm. had this uh most tv commercials were animated like this like it was I don't want to say animation's a lost art because obviously people are still animating and doing a great job today, but like you could put a cool little boppy song and a fun animation in front of any movie and it was okay. Yeah, like it has very much like the style of all the Soul Bass sort of Hitchcock start, you know, beginning opening titles and that sort of which I love all of that aesthetic and everything, but uh, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun way to start the film. Like you just. Get into it. You're into the bop. You're into the blob. <laughs> Even though the lyrics don't really describe what a blob does, because a blob is not leaping and creeping. No, it doesn't. It's a gelatinous form. It can't leap or creep. It doesn't have a. It's not a body. It's just a lump of jelly. But um, I guess it rhymed and it fits in the song. But yeah, if we're gonna quibble it, no leaping and creeping. <laughs> and uh. I feel like the term blob is like known by everybody now, but I don't think people realize mm. like it's from this movie. Like and like it was one of the first times it was used in that kind of term. I mean, it's one of those like onomatopoeia words, right? Like it's like a blob. Like it sounds mm. like what it is in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> it has an interesting history. Um the title there's a couple different stories and they kinda contradict about who thought of the name the blob. Someone says it was the screenwriter. Someone says it was uh, originally called The Glob. Oh. But then they thought The Blob would be better. One of the original titles that was discussed was also The Mess. Oh. I get that, but that also could be like a church thing too, you know? I don't know. And then one of the... Or like some sort of tumor. Yeah, okay. that, that's true as well. Sounds like something on a that's growing on someone's body, not a, a blob. Fit. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, no, like the blob is is perfect. And there was another hmm. title that I saw that I was oh, the molten meteor at one point. Oh, so a lot of cool different titles. Hmm. Directed by someone named Erwin Yeworth. Like this is not my forte films of this era, uh, hmm. so I don't I didn't know him too much. A couple facts that I read about him were kind of interesting though. Like he he was German born, but you know, a German born American director. But most of his directing work was for, was for the televangelist Billy Graham, which is, oh. feels very different to what we're watching today. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Another claim to fame is apparently he's a theme park designer and builder. So, okay. Okay. Why <laughs> okay. Billy Graham and theme parks and the blob. Interesting. Interesting combo. <laughs> what a life. What a life. Mm. But the bigger production things that I want to talk about when it comes to this film is its role sort of as a drive-in B-movie film. Like, I mean, mm. Yes, there's sort of, I don't know about in Australia, Shawnee, but at least in America, there's sort of like a drive-in revival, but they're not like as common as they used to be. Um, you, you can still check out some of them here or there, but I don't think most people consume their films today via drive-in. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think where I live, there's in the state that I live in. I think there's one, maybe two. I think it's sort of when I was a kid, there were still quite a few drive-ins around, and I'd I've been to several drive-in movies myself, but as a kid. But um, I think then a few shut down. But I think 
you know, maybe five, even ten years ago, I think another one opened. So I think it's sort of, I'm not really sure what's going on with it now, you know, with the COVID everything. But um, yeah, it, I think it's slightly having a revival, but not not like it was at the time when that was pretty much the only way you went to the cinema. <laughs> It's a super important part of teen culture in a lot of places at the time, right? Like, it uh, could be one of the only times you had alone time with a significant other or just hanging mm-hmm. out with your friends in the car. And look, if you're from 1958 and you want to correct me, then sure. Then, you know, t- uh, we we have social media here at High School Slumber Party. But here's my hot take. I feel like watching a movie for a lot of movies, especially these B-movies, was less important than it was today. When I say watching, I mean, like, all our letterbox friends, all our podcasters, right? We are watching with a notebook and pen, and we are waiting <laughs> for every single thing, every single moment, writing it down and analyzing and overanalyzing. And I think films are also mm-hmm. kind of made that way, too. And the B-movie almost says, like, Screw it. I just want to make something entertaining. I want to make something fun. I still think a lot of horror movies today can have that as well. Um, but yeah, there's like a lost quality in a sense of like, let me drive to to this movie theater and let me talk mm-hmm. with my friends and hang out with my friends while I'm watching this movie. Because when you go to the theater today, theoretically, you know, it's more like, be quiet. I want to pay attention. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think also the way people consume... Films is different because in 1958, really, you'd see that movie at the drive-in. If you really liked it, you'd see it again. But then pretty much that might be the only time you ever see that film. Good point, good point. It's not coming out on video. It's not coming out on DVD. It might have years and years and years later been on TV and you might have gone, oh, I love this as a teen and then watch it and watch it with your kids or that. But it's that kind of thing that it's not oh, I'm going to watch this, I'm going to log it on Letterboxd, and then the rest of this year I'm going to watch it five more times. Like it, It's definitely films weren't watched in the same way, so I think they were just, you know, like a fun event, popcorn cinema kind of thing, and it was just a way of, you know, getting people to the cinema and just having a good time because it wasn't about overanalyzing a movie to death because they weren't going to see it again. So it was just something fun, you know, to do on the weekend, on a Saturday night with your mates. Or your girlfriend, and yeah, so I think it, and people weren't just analyzing everything. It was just a fun event, just hanging out. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, because like, they were almost a little bit more disposable back then. That's not to say they were crap Mm. films, but they were just like, you're right, like, you saw it once, and if you were entertained, great, you know, you told a friend, Mm. and hopefully they went. And this was actually part of a double feature originally and that you know that's how they would sell movies for you young kids out there like you you <laughs> go and watch two movies and remember the runtime of this is 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 122 so like an hour and 22 minutes so two movies of this length are like the length of a lot of films today let's be honest some marvel yeah. films are longer than two movies in a double feature back then so yeah and i always remember as a kid they'd always package everything at the drive-in as a double feature, but often, annoyingly, they'd put the movie you were going to see as the second movie. So often by then, you were falling asleep and going, I I remember once I went to see Muppet Treasure Island, which nice. that's what I wanted to see. But then I think they put, 
Oh, the fox and the hound? I, like, I don't know why you'd pair those together. <laughs> sad, sad death animal movie. And then Muppet Treasure Island. And by the time Muppet Treasure Island was on, I was falling asleep. You know, I was a oh. kid. Can't, I wanted to put, you know, the one you're advertising, put that one first. And if people want to stay around for the fox and the hound to have a real downer to their evening, that's up to them. But that would always annoy me because they'd sort of like trick you to get you in and go, actually, there's another film before. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you say that, though, because this was originally, like, literally a B-movie meant it was the secondary feature, and it would often go first, because they felt like, you know, at least for the teens, like, they were, you know, late-arriving people, and you might catch this, and then the main event was, like, you know, next. And the mm-hmm. the film that it was paired with was a film called I Married a Monster from Outer Space, which uh. is really fun. <laughs> Quickly, though, they realized that people were going for the blob and not I Married a Monster from Out of Space, and they reversed mm-hmm. them um, yeah. and made the blob the feature movie. People mm-hmm. loved this when it came out. Critics, not so much, but kids kept going. And remember, this is 1958 in American dollars. Mm-hmm. The budget was $110,000. Mm-hmm. It was then acquired by Paramount. For three hundred thousand dollars, so if you want to count that in the budget, sure. But so far, good for them. And it ended up making four million dollars, and four million dollars in nineteen fifty-eight is a lot of money. Mm. Oh, that was pretty easy. It's forty-one million dollars today, so hmm. pretty good when you consider tickets were like a nickel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, especially in the film, one of the guys goes like, "Well, what did you want to talk about? You made us waste our eighty cents." Yeah, exactly. Okay. 80 cents. So if you equate it that way, this was a huge hit. Mm. People kept going back to the theater to see it. Uh, It kept being re-released, too, as Steve McQueen's career kept taking Mm. off. Um, The first time it was re-released, though, was 1964, and it did well as a double feature with the, the director's next film called Dinosaurs. (laughs) <laughs> it was like dinosaurs fighting whatever but again it kept getting re-released and i think it's a classic to this day because even though i hadn't seen it i hear a lot of people talk about not just the 88 version but this version as well it's not in the uh yeah. the hashtag monsters that made us universal monsters like that but it's still mm-hmm. like one of the monsters that people talk about right yeah definitely a couple other things i wanted to mention that the blob was made of a mixture of red dye and silicone and it still has not dried out, which is amazing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a blob fest every year in the town that they filmed this, which was uh, both Downington and Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And apparently they mm-hmm. bring the blob every year and all the town folk look at it. So I think that's cool. I, you know, that like little blob I'm talking about, not the whole thing that goes over the diner. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about how the blob, how the blob looked like in uh, this film, considering it's 1958? Um. Well, I think it's pretty good. Like it clearly looks very gelatinous and like it's globbing and blobbing everywhere. Like I think it, you know, I don't think it would have been that complicated to do. It's just, yeah, silicon and dye, food dye. Like it's just a bit of like, you know, hand sanitizer and <laughs> some color. That sort of. <laughs> so yeah, there's not really, I don't think you'd really go wrong with it. And it sort of moves like it should. Like it's sort of just like, it does that. You know, in my head, that's the sound that it's making. It's, it's clearly not making a sound, but probably maybe to it, the blob thinks it's making that. That's what it hears when it's moving around. But yeah, I think it, you know, 
does what it says on the tin, like it's a blob. And I mean, it's not scary to look at, but clearly it would be scary if it was consuming you. I think we sort of mentioned that on our 88 blob thing, how like this is kind of scary, not because it's like what it looks like necessarily. Mm. It looks gross, but it's what it does that makes it scary. And the fact that like, it's not like you're seeing a werewolf and you're running, right? Like pe- the pe- mm-hmm. people who first see the blob, they're like, what is this thing? You know, they're not like, oh my God, this is a terror. And yeah, it's and even so- though it's not very fast, like no. sometimes it is when it's, but it's not all that fast, but all of a sudden you don't notice because it's a slow glob thing that doesn't make any noise. It can just come up to you and people don't know that it's there. And all of a sudden they notice the blob and then five seconds later, they're gone. They're consumed. They're dead. They're blobbed. And I think people realize that. I think they're all scared of it quite quickly once they realize what it's doing because there's no escape. You can't escape the blob. (laughs) It's a blob. It's almost indescribable how it gets you, but suddenly you're in Mm. the blob. (laughs) You're in the blob Uh, and you've been dissolved and that's that's the end of you. You've just been assimilated. Because I keep talking about like it assimilates flesh (laughs) at an astounding rate or something like, you know, this very OTT kind of statements that are just thrown out or like when the doctor dr hatton or whatever calls kate the nurse back even though she's left for the weekend and he just needed he just wanted her to take a pulse i think he could have done that i don't know why kate had to come back (laughs) but then kate sort of comes in and instantly the old man who's been blobbed has disappeared the blob is sort of there and she's like oh my god what's happening and he's like stay calm kate stay calm and then they try throwing acid at it. That doesn't work. And then she goes, nothing will ever stop it. And it's like, <laughs> you've tried one thing. Like, calm down. Like, I, you you just got here. The blob just appeared. You've tried a bit of acid. That didn't work. But now it's like, nothing will ever kill it. It'll never die. And everyone keeps talking about it like that. But you haven't tested anything. You don't know. It very easily could be killed. You just haven't figured it out. But everyone sort of gets very over-the-top B-movie about it. <laughs> yeah, that's part of its charm, I think. This is, like, one mm-hmm. of the kings of B-movies to me. Like, that's what I've heard yeah. and watching it now. Like, you know what? Like, I get it. It's like, if you want to tell some, mm-hmm. if you want to show someone, like, what a B-movie is, this is a good example. Yeah. One other production note I wanted to mention is that, like, there's that kind of cool movie theater scene, but you know what? I expected a little bit more because of, like, we're in 2022 and there's been so many other great, like, horror movie theater scenes. It's still pretty cool, but I thought that 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 movie that they were showing was like so lame and I thought it was made up for the production, but it's actually a real movie called Dementia from 1955 Oh, that they recut, retitled Daughter of Horror and had Ed Ed McMahon do the narration. It's interesting because that movie, if like this is a B movie, that's like a C or a D movie that they're showing. (laughs) The B movie in their world is like, yeah, really bad. (laughs) your mind crowd in on you to destroy you. just a lot of like scared faces and then all these hands like suffocating yeah. this woman like it was all a bit like 
But then everyone was laughing, so clearly they didn't think it was Daughter of Horror either. Well, that's what, to me, that, like, kind of validates the tone that we are supposed to take this movie, right? Because, like, mm. they're at the theater uh, laughing at a B-movie. So I, it made me feel, like, okay to laugh at some things in this film. You know? I'm yeah. Not, I'm not going to bed tonight fearing the blob, to be honest with you. No, and you're not going to spend days and weeks g- thinking about what happened and everything and why did it happen? Like, it's one of those films that <laughs> B-movies, they don't give a shit about exposition. They don't care. You don't need the details because it's happening. There's a media. Someone pokes it. A blob comes out. You don't need anything else. You don't need to know what planet it's from. Who cares? It's doing its blob thing. It just and then the rest of the movie, no one explains anything. No one's really testing anything. It's just we're just trying to get away from the blob. That's literally all we're doing. And in the '88 <laughs> version, which we both really liked, it does lean mm. into like uh, some of that stuff, right? It does lean into a little yeah. bit more of like the lore and and the government and, and things of that nature. Which again, I think is more on par for '88. But you're so right. Like in, in '58, it's just like let's just get to the blobbing. <laughs> yeah, who cares? we don't need to explain. Just you can see it's blobbing. Who cares? Whatever. And we'll sort. Let's we'll find out what happens as it goes along. We'll sort out what to do as it comes to us. <laughs> so not a lot of like uh, names I recognize in this cast, probably because it's from 1958, but of course, Steve McQueen. We already mentioned he was 28 years old, and he had a choice to either take $3,000 for his starring role or mm. take 10% of the profit, and he never mm. thought that this film was going to do anything. He also wasn't very successful at the time, so it's not like he could take a chance on not getting paid up front, right? So he took the $3,000 and definitely, definitely regretted it. But he can't really regret it, right? Because this film did make him into a star. Like, he's 28. He's not a... I mean, he's young. He's a young man, of course. But he's not terribly young by some of these Hollywood standards, right? A lot of these stars at the time are discovered in their teens or early 20s. And he's playing a teenager, right? So, look, I hope I can achieve my dreams after the age of 28. So I, I don't want anyone out there to think that... You know, once you're older than 28, all hope is lost. God, no. But for an actor like him, he would be the A-list of the A-list for many, many years. And to come, for it to come out of this film, I think it's just so interesting and so fascinating because I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure he was kicking himself about the uh, share of the profits thing. But, you know, you can't know that'll happen. But, yeah. <laughs> um, Anita... Coruscant, Coruscant, I don't know, Coruscant, mm. maybe. Um, she's also like a pretty known name. Uh, she played Jane Martin. She was on the Andy Griffith Show and a couple other things. Now, the two other people like had clickable IMDb's or clickable uh, Wikipedia pages. Olin Howland, who played the old man, hmm. that's literally he's credited as Barney the old man. He, <laughs> if you look up his okay. filmography. He's just one of these actors. Like, he did one, two, three, four, five. Five movies in 1934 alone, you know? Mm. 1941, he does one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies that year. Mm. Like, this is like a worker, you know? A lot of, like, smaller He's just one of those, like, straight-up studio players. He's just kind of, like, you know, working around doing the circuit and everything. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Because if you look at a lot of his roles, a lot of them were uncredited. Because you're right, he's just getting like that general studio contract, um, which mm. was more common at the time. But this is his last credited role, so I found that to be interesting. So the blob really did get him, I guess. 
And then uh, Stephen Chase played the doctor. And he was in he was in a bunch of things too. I wasn't too familiar with him, but if you look at his credits, it's a uh, you know things like Gunsmoke, mm. a lot of a uh, lot of westerns, hmm. the Buccaneer, and just fun little swashbuckling things as well. But normal like this is a B movie cast. These aren't a lot of people yeah. you're going to see in a lot of other things. So no, and the other teenagers like you mentioned this already, Shoni. It's not just Steve McQueen who looks old here. The other teenagers look like they could all be my parents. Like, not then, like yeah. now. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, like, the leader of the, like, the other group, the drag race, like, Tony or whatever, he could be, like, you know, Jane's dad. Like, he could be one of the teachers. He could be one of the cops. I don't, But he doesn't really look like a drag racing. So, But I suppose it doesn't seem too jarring because they all look too old. So it's not like exactly. there's anyone that looks 17, but everyone else looks 35 but so it it doesn't sort of throw you out of the thing and I think the way they dress the adults makes the adults seem older even though weirdly Jane's father clearly they've put powder on his hair to make it look <laughs> yeah. grayer but, but I don't know why they're trying to make him look so old because Jane has a tiny brother so clearly his parents aren't you know ancient because Denny Benny whatever his name is the <laughs> weird kid that his accent sounds like he's sort of you know from Grey Gardens, like he keeps going on, oh God, yeah, like he's sort of got this weird, like, where is this boy from? <laughs> yeah. Why is his accent different to the rest of the family? He's like Catherine Hepburn's child, but he's, <laughs> no, no offense to this boy. He's like little Edie, like what, what is his voice? <laughs> no offense to this boy, not a great actor. Little overacting here by this boy, like. It... Yeah, definitely. It was probably his first <laughs> role, sure. I, don't, I don't know, but. <laughs> Jane could have been his mom, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, they didn't even really need to say these were teenagers. They just did to, so probably the teenagers watching would be could relate to them. But like, they could have just been people are in their twenties. But they like really hit that home because Jane's dad is also like the high school principal, and they're like, oh, yeah. what, what could seventeen year olds get up to? And they keep saying like seventeen year olds, seven, and you're like, what? Yeah, that one cop that's like anti-teen he keeps talking about 17 year olds 17 year olds who exists all these 17 year olds are out to get me like no guy they don't even know anything about you they don't remember your name because weirdly (laughs) all of the teenagers in this town actually everyone in this town call the police by their first names they're not officer duda officer whatever they're just dave like everyone's like hey dave hey dave hey steve hey dave like why are we calling him by his first name he's not your mate he's meant to be older than you i know you all are probably all about the same age, but he's actually meant to be the chief of police. But everyone's like, oh, hey, hey, Dave, what are you doing? Like, everyone's just calling him Dave and Jim and Ricky or whatever, the one that's playing chess, Richie. I don't, I don't remember. Because but... everyone in this town is 40. No one's older, no one's younger, except the little boy. Yeah. Well, hey, Dave. Oh, hey, Steve. How's it going, my good old buddy? Like, you mentioned Steve too. It's like wild that Steve McQueen's name is Steve. Yeah, like come up with something. Like it's his first movie. I don't know why he was getting sort of. I don't want to be called anything other than Steve. (laughs) Just give him and call him something else. I don't know why we just couldn't be bothered. Oh well, you know, what's his name? I'll. I haven't put a name in yet for the character. What's this guy name? What's the guy's name? Oh, it's Steve. Let's just put that in mind. <laughs> we have to mention if anyone watches the movie and they're afraid that there might be an animal death, William the dog does survive. He does amazingly, even though they keep just like 
letting him disappear. Like, no one's really watching it. She keeps going, oh, the little dog. But no one actually cares about this little dog. They just keep letting it run away. Yeah, what a different time. Like, at one point, like, she's like, where'd the dog go? I hope it survived. And then one of the guys is like, yeah, it ran away over there. And everyone's like, oh, okay, good. Like, Okay, good. We won't look for it. Oh, that's all right. It hasn't been blubbed. That's fine. It's probably been <laughs> run over, but, you know, whatever. At least it hasn't been blubbed. At least that's not our fault that we left him to be blubbed while we're in the freezer. So uh, what were some of your favorite moments, scenes that you think we need to talk about? Um, well, it's not a fair for, like, the teen thing. I find it hilarious at the beginning that Steve and Jane are in the car. They're, you know, driving really fast through town because they've got the old guy with the blub on his hand in the back. Which, you know, don't take him into town. What are you people doing? Containment. <laughs> but they take him into town and then... The three, like, you know, drag racing guys are like, hey, whatever, what's this Steve guy doing? And I think it they make it like Steve's lived there forever, but then half the time it seems like people are just meeting him. And it, half the time it makes it seem like he's just arrived in town, but then clearly he's been in town forever because his dad runs the general store and everyone knows him, like he and Dave are besties. But then the rest of the time it's sort of like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this Steve? And it seems like the drag racing people don't know him, which I think later they do, but... He drives past them and they're like, oh no, this new guy is not going to do that, even though he's not new. But then they challenge him to a, a drag race, but then they end up doing one, a backwards drag race. A backwards race, race. A yeah. A backwards drag race. And then they end up, and the Dave pulls him over and is like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I wasn't driving backwards, Dave. Oh, I'm just like chilling. That the minute he beat them in this drag race, they were just best friends. Like, the guys all just came over and were like, hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, Jane, like, let's all hang out. Let's go to the spooky show together. Then they very easily just keep going along with Steve's plan, even though up until then, Steve's the only person that's seen the blob that's still alive because everyone else keeps seeing the blob and then they're blobbed, so. And that's the movie. No, um, he earned... <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> he earned their respect, I guess, with that backwards drag race. But, like, let's go back to that first scene before there's any blobbing, really. Well, mm. a little bit, but, like, where he's in the car, uh, Steve's in the car with Jane. I'm like, well, what? Is this 58? What's going to happen here? You kind of think, like, they might be pushing the envelope, but then we learn that Steve isn't really a badass. He's a good guy. He's a badass, <laughs> but he's a good guy, you know, like... A, by the yeah. standards of the time and they kind of sort of just go home and what what i found interesting about it like i'm not saying it's a good romance but there mm. is like a big romance angle to this film it's like really like the craziest date ever between steve and jane yeah and they sort of really lean heavily into this romance but really from that first scene it's their first date because she keeps going like don't call me janey girl my name's jane don't call me that stevie and then <laughs> She's like, well, do you bring other girls up? Like, it, it very much seems like it's their first day, and she's a bit like, you've got a rep around town. You bring all the go- you bring all the ladies up here, and so it, I think it's very much their first date. But then later, she's sort of like, but I know you so well. Actually, I don't. I don't think you do. I think this is sort of a very new thing. I think you and Steve don't know each other at all, really. But you're bonded by blob trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then later on, he's sort of. Steve's going through everything that's happened throughout the night that he's seen so far and all the awful things that he's seen. But weirdly in the background, there's this really like swelling romantic music. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually nothing romantic happens. It's just the two of them are standing out the front, even though they're trying to be quiet so people don't know they're sneaking out. But actually they just, they're making noise in the house. They're yelling. They're just talking really loud. Like everyone, the whole neighborhood probably knows they've snuck out at this point because Benny's yelling. Jane's, yeah, everyone's yelling. Everyone's making a lot of noise. 
but yeah, then he's sort of going through and that was the worst thing I ever saw. And some guy's face got like blobbed off and then the music's like, da, 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 <laughs> and yeah, it seems it like is. they're about to like, you know, have this romantic or she's like, I believe you, Steve, because I love you, but none of that happens. And then the minute he stops talking about all the awful things, the music stops. And it's sort of like, I, the, like, it's just like a okay. tonally, it does not match. Like it. I don't know what they were going for there. I don't think we should have swelling romantic music when he's talking about this terrible, all these people that he's seen killed in front of him. Like, I, it just seemed really, really bizarre, especially because nothing romantic happened. Then they just got in the car and drove off. Like, it, it's very, very strange to me. So I think the three cool set pieces to me in this film. Uh, first, I did love the blob in the grocery store. Yeah. Like, it, it was cool to see the aisles like that. There was an element of horror when it came to that. Mm. Um, you know, it wasn't an elevated one because, again, what we're watching. But I, I did like that set piece a lot. Yeah. Yeah, the the movie house was cool. I think that was a classic scene. Yeah, so mm. that, that, yeah, right. That's what I put as my second one. And the third one is, of course, the big diner ending. But it really, mm. something I thought was really good about this film, believe it or not, was... The sense of space and place, I think, was really good. Like, mm. you could tell this was a small town. You have the cool small town diner. Everyone does know each other, and it's a little silly, and it's a little hokey. Mm. But there's a fun element of that, too. Like, I like when the cops don't believe them, and, and they get all the townsfolk together. Yeah. Like, By the way, I love when the fire truck pulls up, and the cops finally pull up, and they're all talking. And I think it's a cop who asks the firefighter, like, do you have a gun? And it's like, yeah, we all have guns. I'm like, what? Only in America do the firefighters have guns, too. That's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, like, even I, Denny's got a gun. Later when they go downstairs <laughs> and they're like, it's like, I'm guarding. And they're like, what are you? But no one's, they're like, oh, that's hilarious. Like, oh, little little Benny's guarding us. Um, Is anyone noticing that there's a small child laying on a couch with a shotgun in his lap? <laughs> and true. then a bit earlier, then they go, go to the doctor's. The doctor had a shotgun. Because then the acid didn't work. So he was like, let's shoot the blob. Yeah, let's shoot the jelly. Because that's going to really do anything. Again, jelly only in America. Only in America. The bodiless, you know, a jelly thing. Let's shoot it. The acid didn't work. Let's kill it with a gun. But then he's got a shotgun. And then the police go in to the room that he locked himself in that's still locked. But he's not in the room. And the blob's not there. And they're like, I don't believe you, Steve. You're just making things up. But then one of the police picks up the shotgun. Then points the barrel to his face to look into the barrel. <laughs> then he hands it to the other cop who does the same thing. Then that cop walks over to Steve and then it's like pointing the gun at him. And then he's pointing like, a, excuse me, you are walking around with a shotgun and I don't have a gun, but I'm pretty sure gun 101 is do not point the gun at your face and look into it. Like I'm pretty sure that should be the first thing that you're not doing with the, You probably shouldn't. Shouldn't be shooting anyone either, but you definitely shouldn't be pointing it at your own face. There's a point where they say the blob has killed like 40 and 50 people. Yeah, it's like I, you just believed him five minutes ago. I don't actually, I don't know where you're getting this num this data from. I think you're just making it up because I think at this point it might have killed maybe four people that we know of. And I don't think it killed anyone in the cinema because I think they're all running out in the street, even though Dave's sort of like... Don't go in there, Jim. He's dead. It won't. It won't do any good. It's the worst horrific thing I've ever seen. It's like, is it? I. I don't think the blob's in there anymore, and I don't think anyone's dead. But now fifty people have died, even though he's only been on board for about five seconds. Yeah, but it, it's crazy because like the body count of the film is certainly not fifty. I didn't see fifty people die. Yeah, 
I think 50 people would be a significant amount of the town dead. So I actually don't think 50 people have been killed. I think it's maybe maybe 10? Probably not even that many. I think it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, then the teens, all the kids, even though it's that funny thing that the teens refer to each other as kids. Hey, you kids, what are you kids yeah, doing? Yeah. And then like the kids and I know everyone... That was how teenagers spoke to each other. Teenagers and if you were like a DJ, kind of like Corny Collins kind of thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. Hey, cool, cool, ha- cool happening, have cats, kids. And like, I know it's all of that. It just sounds silly that teens are calling other teens kids, but because no one talks like that anymore. But hey, hey, you kids, you know, just makes everyone seem like they're adults because they're calling everyone kids and telling other kids what to do. It's something where it reminded me of that like Steve Buscemi meme where it's like, how do you do, fellow kids? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> it was forcing it even more to me. Like, these are not yeah, kids. Yeah, but I think at the time, I know. That no one would have thought that was, like, silly because everyone just called everyone, hey, you kids, hey, kids. Like, it just was very much like, you know, Gidget and hey. And they all had names like someone like this Moose. and <laughs> Yeah, that's thing. true. And they all have kind of names M- like they're out of Gidget. Or, and I mean, I think Tony was sort of like a low rent, like, moon doggy. Like, he sort of just looked like Moondoggy to me but his dad I don't maybe Moondoggy's dad I don't maybe he's in it but yeah I think a hallmark of a lot of B movies is that small town America thing that you just get a lot of locations around the town and you get that sense that everyone knows each other and it's this sort of the mom and pop sort of diner and the store and the thing and I like that in the 88 version even though they expanded the scope of like the lore of the blob and brought in the government and that sort of thing. It was still small town. There was still a diner. There was still a thing. They kept a big blob scene in a store with a freezer. They kept the cinema thing. Like I liked that two of the big set pieces of this one were still in the 88 one, which sort of made it that. I think because in the 80s, they were very into making films that had kind of a 50s sort of essence to them. So it makes sense that they wanted to make the blob then yeah i like that those big set pieces of this one made their way into the remake just to yeah really exactly pay, homage to this to the original and they kind of enhanced that remake because they they definitely picked the most iconic things in this one and you're absolutely right yeah. they like arguably made them better but the diner scene i think is pretty cool here like obviously the effects aren't 2022 yeah because they moved from big jelly to Anim- to like a animation sort of <laughs> yeah. not even animation it's not moving it's just like a you know still image that someone's illustrated the blob over the thing and i think obviously that was a bit more than the budget could handle maybe they didn't <laughs> want to build i mean they could have built like a scale like a little model of the diner and then put like a blob over that they could have i don't know but they decided, sure, they decided not not to. To. so that <laughs> bit always looks a bit sort of hokey because it kind of goes from practical effect blob that is you know it's doing what it should it's blobbing and then all of a sudden it's a drawing of a blob on a diner but but i do love that you know that old trope of like you know there's something that can kill it it's just like something really simple and yeah it, it's the discovery of just like cold kills it so they mm. they take the fire extinguishers and i like that little uh um the like mission to get 
a bunch of fire extinguishers. Like uh, the cops are working with the teens. Finally, there's harmony in town. Like, yeah. let's go to the high school get and get some fire. Too. And then, like, yeah. all of the delinquents of the town just like roll up and they're like jalopies and like, hey, let's go, let's go, Dave, let's go. And and then the principal hilariously didn't bring his keys to the school because why would you carry them around at night? Throws a brick through the window and all the teens are like, yeah, because, like, you know, exactly. anarchy, chaos. Because you like, know, into the school for the CO2. Because you know that, like, they were trying to get the teens in the audience to be like, oh man, the principal <laughs> broke the school. Oh Crazy. My God. Like, mind, even, mind blowing. Yeah. But then, even like the fire department, they keep having to be told what to do. <laughs> even though, like, you're the fire department, I think you probably should know how many fire extinguishers you've got in the precinct like i think you should know this like but that the fire chief keeps like looking at dave all the time being like what do i do like is is this your first day on the job have you never done this before like i'm sure that you have an inventory just in your mind of how much co2 you've got you know in the firehouse but he seems like he has no idea the whole time he's like i don't know and then the, the diner's on fire i know it's inside a blob but then they're like i don't know what could we do I don't know. Maybe you're the people that have a really big hose that maybe because it's a blob, you could like shove it through the blob and then like put the fire out. But they're all like, oh, well, I don't know. And like, they're probably all just going to suffocate in 10 minutes. So they all just stand there. (laughs) We'll just stand here and go, oh, look, there you go. That's the diner people are dead. Jane's dead. Benny's dead because he's running around guarding everyone. Everyone just does a lot of giving up. I think they do a lot of, I don't think I can ever be killed. (laughs) <laughs> and then that's just like they just say it and go yeah that's it we haven't tried anything we don't know anything about it but you know we try one thing and then they go we'll try this one last ditch attempt I don't, you've tried like two things at this point I don't know why you keep going like nothing will work and then randomly at the end they've called the government who all of a sudden they don't appear but then they come and they're going to pick up the blob and take it to the arctic because the cold, and then Steve goes like, "Well, I hope it stays cold." And they watch it and go like, "Was that some sort of like foreshadowing of global warming? The Arctic isn't staying cold anymore, and the blob's going to come back." I, yeah, I, I wrote that down. Like, oh no! <laughs> like, well, at least there's room for a new blob film, and it could be because of global warming. So yeah, and then the end, it sort of like goes the end, and then there's a big question mark. Question like, mark? Yeah, it's very ominous. What I found so interesting, though, that like. This totally, in my mind, was crafted as the first part of the double feature, right? Because it is sort of a slow build. Mm. Um, So if you're, like, walking in late, you're not really missing that much. No. But if you you watch it again and look at your... Look at the time when it's five minutes to the literal end of the film. And that's really when all the action kicks in. Like, nothing is solved. Yeah. Five minutes, too, right? Like, and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, there's only five minutes left of the film. What's going to happen? It's like, boom, 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 boom. Suddenly, we're, we're, uh, a plane is dropping a, a, a uh, I don't know, like a package mm-hmm. in Antarctica or possibly the North Pole. I'm not sure. And it's over. And it's like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because, like, the climax was pretty cool, especially again for a film of the time. But it is just interesting. Like, the pacing it's like a slow build to this like really fast ending and i think that's because like if Mm. you were in theory coming for the second film and you like only caught the tail end of this one Mm. like it's sort of picked up everything all the context of the rest of the film you've picked it up in the last five minutes (laughs) 
Yeah, and I think that's really, really interesting and cool. And it's like a cool, cool from like a film study perspective. Mm. And I think luckily the film's quite short because otherwise you'd sort of go, this feels like it's kind of dragging on a bit because we haven't seen the blob for a while. Now we're just having a lot of people in the town doing town stuff. Like it, you actually go long stretches without seeing the blob. So luckily this film isn't like, you know, two and a half hours because then you'd sort of be going like, yeah, all right, like, you know, pick it up, give us some more blob, let's wrap this up a bit because it does spend a lot of time on the people not believing them the teens just doing teen stuff then the teens are going around i think it's hilarious that they get all their friends to come and help them warn the people in the town but all we actually see two of them go to like this party with these very sort of nasty like you know adults like having a great time at the party and they're making fun of them and they're like hey paul revere the british are coming like they weirdly just start antagonizing these teens (laughs) and they don't listen to them and then the other two teens the two guys that couldn't find dates, so they just had to keep hanging out together. Moose and whatever the guy's name. I don't remember the other guy's name. But then, weirdly, the place they're going to warn people is just wandering around in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Again, I think it's just, at this point, they're just trying to feed the teens and the audience funny and interesting stuff. Like, yeah. But you make a really good point that we don't see the blob for a while, right? There's a lot of just like little mm. other things happening rather than... The actual blob, which is an interesting choice. I don't think necessarily a bad one, but an interesting choice. Uh, Shawnee, have you seen the sequel to this one? Not the 1988 one, but apparently um, Beware the well, Blob. The DVD that I have has The Son of Blob on it. Yes. Um, I did start watching it once, but um, it was really, really, really bad. Like, it was this really bad 70s. It had a massive dodgy TV movie vibe to it I think I watched about 15 minutes and I literally couldn't stand it anymore so I turned it off so um no I haven't I haven't technically seen the sequel (laughs) yeah so it had a couple different names you could find it as beware the blob son Mm. of blob the blob 2 and the blob returns and it's all the same and yeah I've never seen it so you're you're not giving it your side of approval unless you're a extreme completist of all things blob <laughs> you can give it you can skip it it doesn't yeah it was terrible <laughs> all righty so let's get into our awards who is this movie made for um it was made for the hep- happening kids at the drive-in <laughs> yep driving teens simple as that yeah uh, yep. most likely to succeed which character won the movie I don't know. I don't always want to pick guys for these sort of things, but because there's hardly any women in this movie, and they do make it like Steve's running the show, so I guess Steve is, you know, if he wasn't there, everyone had been blob would have been blobbed. So I guess he wins yeah, I, the movie. I guess it's Steve. I I was thinking of saying William the dog, but like, does William the dog really win having to be the pet of this terrible little kid from now on? I don't know. I think. Yeah, I don't think. I think he'll. Yeah. I don't think he'll be doing any guarding. I think the dog will be running away because Benny's a little weirdo. Uh, Wooderson Award. Is there a character who you would have liked to have seen more of? Um, well, I mean, I feel like Jane probably got a been in a bit, had a bit more of a meatier part, not just be the sort of, you know, crying girlfriend character. 
Like if they'd let her kind of do a bit more, that would be better. But, you know, I know it's 1958. They didn't do that in films. I mean, they still don't always do that now. But yeah, I probably would have liked if she'd had a bit more. I mean, maybe if at the beginning she'd seen the blob at the same time as Steve. So she could have gone, yeah, I've seen it too. Like there's two people that you should believe. But I think they weirdly just reduced her role straight away, even though she was there the whole time. Yeah, I actually said... uh the other women like the girlfriends or whatever like mm. they didn't even get names they just like silently went around warning people at parties and honking a lot of horns <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so those girlfriends the other girls didn't have any lines they didn't have a name so i think they were probably just paid as like you know extras pretty much i don't think because they had no dialogue so you get paid less if you don't say anything so if they just were there silently as the random girls that they met at the cinema long duck dong award is there a character whose omission would make the film better yeah i think benny could go i don't think we need him he's a bit creepy <laughs> fair fair like he's not creepy like you know he's not like richie in teen witch sort of level of creepy but oh he's weird like I, he did well he should go away <laughs> but i think you hit something though like this is again the weirdo little brother we see it again even as as far back as 1958 Oh, I know. That's really funny. I think people have always hated having little brothers, so I think uh, <laughs> I think that's a universal thing. Doesn't matter what decade it is, people hate little brothers because they're creepy. <laughs> I don't have a little brother, so I don't know how creepy people think. But I, from watching films, I think little brothers <laughs> are pretty much universally thought of as creepy because that's not usually a little brother you'd want to have. Cameron Fry Award. Does the whole movie get it? Too old to be a high schooler? Which character looked too old? Yeah, I think pretty much every teen wins the award. It's a joint, you know, it's a joint effort. It's like the whole cast is up for consideration for a whole cast award for that. We we might need to call this award the Blob Award going forward because it really, like this this film takes the cake with it. (laughs) Yeah. We have to grade the film, Shawnee. Report card Mm -hmm. grade A plus to F scale as always but first let's look at our cheat sheet rotten tomatoes 68 percent by critics 52 percent by the audience so not high scores but letterbox 3.1 out of 5 not too bad there but shawnee what will you grade the blob from um, 1958 yeah my letterbox score is three and a half i know it's not amazing but it's fun it's a b movie i've seen a lot of b movies and as b movies go it's one of you know the better ones the b the b better b b b <laughs> but yeah i think because it's a b movie and it's about 3.5 i think i'm gonna give it a b plus nice nice pretty good score so i gave this one a b minus um I th- again for for the genre it's good it's cool to watch but i just kept thinking about how much i enjoyed the 1988 blob i get mm. a lot of people enjoy this type of cinema more than that like late 80s sort of mm. cinema and i totally understand why that this one might rank higher to somebody but for me personally i hadn't seen the 88 one i think until last year as as well and i almost wish i saw this one first and been like whoa this 88 one improved <laughs> on this and it's like so cool but i don't want to say it ruined it for me because i still gave it a b plus but seeing that one first and then going back to this one it was a little harder mm. if that makes sense so uh, yeah, I think when I saw them, I saw them in the traditional order. And also, I mean, 
I enjoy this movie. It's fun. But also I'm going to give it a bit of an extra score because if this movie didn't exist, there wouldn't have been a remake. And if that remake hadn't have happened, I might have had a complete, I would have had a completely different name because as I said in our episode last year, um, my mom was sort of, you know, coming towards the end of her pregnancy. She hadn't picked my name yet. She was, you know, really tired. She wasn't sleeping very well. She was really tired. She was just up late one night and the Blob remake was on TV and she really liked the look of the name Shawnee Smith up in lights. And she also liked Shawnee Smith as an actress. So um, yes, I am named Shawnee because of that. So if the Blob 1958 didn't exist, I could be called like, you know, Louise or Susan (laughs) or something like really. Jane. Yes, because of this. I am Shawnee, so uh, thank you to this version of the Blob for existing. (laughs) Yeah, it's part of your identity. It is. It is. (laughs) Sleeping bag question. You and I are at our 1958 The Blob-themed slumber party. We have custom Mm -hmm. Blob sleeping bags. What does your Blob sleeping bag look like? Um, hmm. Well, I think it's probably like a normal, just like sort of maybe like a normal plain fuzzy sort of sleeping bag but it has a plastic sort of gel red cover around it so I'm inside a soft bit of the sleeping bag but the outside of the sleeping bag looks like a blob yeah how could you not Mm. by the way like I was trying to look up images for like inspiration because like again it's hard because like you just want to sleep in the blob but um, they also re <laughs> They also re-released this film around the time of uh, the Towering Inferno with Steve McQueen, mm. and they totally cut the trailer like it's like a disaster movie, and he's like an adult. And the poster for that era has like him in a suit on the phone, like oh. it was supposed to get people in who had like like the 70s Steve McQueen, and they must have been very confused when he was a teenager here. Mm. Shawnee, my sleeping bag is just going to be, I'm going to contact the animator of that initial sequence and have him design the sleeping bag for me. You know, like that blob font and like all that. So I want like a nice little cool animated cute, the blob sleeping bag. Well, that's fun. Oh, and speaking of Steve McQueen and posters, I read somewhere that apparently when Steve McQueen died or something i think when everyone went in and like cleaned up his house and everything i think in his bedroom there was a poster from the 1958 blob on the wall there you go very important to so, him then. there you go i guess it was his big start in cinema did really well so yeah he was honoring the blob forever so he apparently had a poster up in his house so i'm sure some hollywood collector you know eagerly bought that poster for lots of money (laughs) (laughs) so shawnee you and i are the magical blockbuster that exists somewhere in the universe maybe where this blob meteorite comes from but Mm -hmm. uh it has every movie that has ever existed in the history of cinema up until this date we know we are renting the blob for our slumber party but while we're in the video rental store we see a sign at the front counter, it says, rent two movies, get one free. And I say, Shawnee, I'll hold our place in line. Go to the back. Mm-hmm. Get two other movies for us to watch on this wonderful evening. What two other movies do you want to watch as part of our rental triple feature? 
Um, all right, well, I think I'm going to get another small town B movie. I'm going to get Tarantula, Ooh. which, as it says on the tin, small town, giant ass tarantula. Like, it's <laughs> massive, but really it's a lot of, you know, small models with, like, just a normal tarantula on them. But it's about a massive tarantula. I think something, space, there's an, you know, there's always some weird vague alien thing going on, but somehow the spider is massive and it's terrorizing the whole town. Um, and my second pick, which it's not it's not like a monster movie, but it's definitely an homage to teen movies of the era of the blob and also slasher films. Um, I'm gonna go Psycho Beach Party. Nice, nice. Because that's a fun sort of, you know, spoof of Gidget and yeah, slasher films. So that's that's definitely good fun to check that one out. So yeah, that's my um, that's my two picks. Good picks, good picks. I love those. Uh, one more question I have for you as a Hocus Pocus fan. Really quickly, what mm. did you think of Hocus Pocus two? Um, you know, I'm always gonna have a fun time watching a Disney Halloween themed film. Like there can never be enough Disney Halloween themed films in the world, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I because I absolutely adore the first one and have just so much nostalgia for it and I just really love that one and I watch it every Halloween I was never gonna like this one as much I knew that I wasn't going in with massive expectations and you know it had flaws there were things I didn't like but the witches back again that was great they just really got back into their roles and I loved that especially in Hollywood because they're not Hollywood's not kind to older actresses I love that the three of them were back doing their thing, just really getting back into their roles. And I loved that Billy was back, like, you know, Doug Jones back again, just being great. But, yeah, there were things that were fun. It was okay, but it wasn't the best. And But that's okay because it was never going to be. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's still all right to watch for Halloween, you know, if you want to watch something spooky, but, yeah, not scary. <laughs> Yeah, definitely fits in well with that whole Disney Halloween collection where you're not looking for someone's head to be chopped off, right? Like, yeah, like you know. Well, you well, I can't say that. I can't say that because Billy, Billy, Billy doesn't have his head, but you know what I mean. Like, like yeah, like gore. It's this, <laughs> Hocus Pocus is not a gory film. Yeah, well, he just doesn't have a head because he's a zombie and he's really dry and it keeps falling off. But it's not because anyone chopped it off. Like, it just it's just falling off because. <laughs> You know, he's dry. He's just, he has absolutely no moisture in his body. So his head keeps falling off. But yeah, you know, if you've watched the first three Halloween Towns, because the fourth one doesn't exist, whatever. But if you watch those and you want something else and you're saving Hocus Pocus to closer to Halloween, you know, it's a fun enough way to spend 90-ish minutes, you know, if you want something that sort of, that kind of film. But yeah. Shawnee, this was great. Thank you again for coming around Halloween time, and yeah, thank you for having me back for Halloween time. Talking the blob with me again—a different blob, mm-hmm. but or maybe it's the same one. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Who knows? So you actually have your own show now that has started off so wonderful and lovely. And uh, why don't you why don't you plug uh, your awesome new venture? Thank you very much, Brian, for that uh, segue. Yeah, so uh, along with friend of the show, 
Dan Kalan. I am the co-host of the podcast Around the Corner, the Not Everyone podcast, um, where once a month we go through and celebrate the work of writer, filmmaker and queen of the romantic comedy, Nora Ephron. Yeah, so we had our first episode released in September and we're getting, people are really enjoying it. We're getting lots of lovely comments and shout outs from people and our second episode on the movie Silkwood um, is out now. So uh, check that one out. You can find us at the Nora podcast on Twitter and Instagram and you can also find us wherever you get your podcasts and on the Cage Club website. Check it out if you love Nora. I know it's not anything spooky. (laughs) (laughs) If you want something, you know, spooky season, you're not going to be getting that from Silkwood, but check it out. Um, We had a really great chat. We really loved the film. And also, if you just want to follow me myself you can just find me at shawnee mead on twitter and on letterboxd because i'm pretty much only watching spooky movies at the moment because it's october and that's the rule in our house you're not allowed to watch a film unless it's spooky so <laughs> how spooky does it have to be um well i don't like anything scary so spooky yeah spooky it doesn't really get anything sort of horror like the most horror gets is you know universal monster sort of horror like i don't know the blob the blob i would say yeah the blob that sort of thing you know monster movies blob things halloween themed movies like arsenic and old lace like that's always a good fun classic halloween one to watch but yeah there's not like buckets of blood there's not anything gross there's not that kind of because i don't I don't like that. I like, you know, fun or spooky or sort of slightly sinister, creepy vibes, but nothing, you know, if you want any like A24 prestige horror, <laughs> go to someone else's letterbox because you're not going to find it on mine and you're not going to find any, like I don't watch Scream or like Halloween or any of those sort of movies because I don't really, I don't like movies like that. But Is Titanic a spooky movie? No. The ship, spoiler alert, the ship goes down. The ship goes down in the end. How is that spooky? That's like a natural disaster movie. (laughs) I don't know. People playing with fire. It's like, (laughs) not with ice, but they're like, you know, they're fighting the elements. Don't talk to me about Titanic and spooky month. Get out of here. What, Dead Poets (laughs) Society? No. They're dead poets. Yeah, but they're not coming back in the film. (laughs) We're not getting like, you know... Thoreau coming back as a zombie ghost Ooh. or something. We're not like I'm sorry, if we're talking about spooky films, don't come to me on the day of my spooky film's birthday and talk to me about Titanic and Dead Poet Society. Get out of here. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm a Halloween expert. I'm I'm gonna make the like more dead poet society or, or deader poet society and like Thoreau's actually gonna come back. Nice. We'll get some like Thoreau, some Byron, some just like <laughs> some Shelley. Got all of that, come and, you know, do that. Zombie dead poets, like, you know, undead poets. <laughs> Give me that. Ah, there you go. Now, now, now you'll have to get some credit on the IMDb Netflix, trivia. are you listening? The Undead, undead poets. poets Society. Oh, man. The Please un- credit to Shawnee Mead. <laughs> Thank you. The, I'll, I'll get to working on the Undead Poets Society. Thank you so much yeah. once again, Shawnee, for, for stopping by. 
as always well, you and you know me. can't wait to hear your you've got mail episode when it comes out and so many other great great oh, movies we're going to get from the podcast around the yes, corner. Yes, we'll be ending the podcasting year with When Harry Met Sally, so that's exciting, ending with a big one. Ooh, When Harry Met Sally in 2022, an interesting film mm-hmm. with an interesting premise, you know. Yes. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Such a good New York film there. So uh, yeah, can't definitely. wait to listen to that episode. I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you very much. And oh, I was like, what was the other thing I had to say? I was going to say, happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween, everyone. Such a blast having Shawnee on. Happy Halloween, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you enjoyed the blob, both versions. Remember to check out our blob episode from last year, the 80s version. That was really, really fun. Also, check out the podcast around the corner Shawnee did a great job of selling it there. It's a really fun podcast, especially if you enjoy Nora Ephron films. But if you don't, learn to enjoy them because they're great. (laughs) And then Shawnee, of course, alluded to our Lost episode. We'll talk Hocus Pocus soon, I promise. Stay tuned for that. But I got trick-or-treaters at my door. I got to give them some candy. I don't even have time for the doorbell sound effect. So remember one thing. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop, look around once in a while. You could miss it. Let's leave you with, ah, let's just continue more of this theme here. This The Blob Burt Bacharach theme here. More of the instrumental part, though. Happy Halloween! It's over. Go home. Go.